Hey, dear friends, if you can't see, what could you do? Stay tuned. I can see clearly now. Well, friends, welcome to Time That Makes the Difference. We're delighted to have you with us, and we'll be talking about seeing through different perspectives and through different modes of vision. I was going to say different (laughs) eyesights. That's not too good. My name's Keith Dunkel. I'm a United Methodist pastor serving at the Wells... Sometimes they say memorial, but I don't say that because it sounds bad. Is it still memorial? It it is officially, but we need to change that. Wells United Methodist Church in Jackson, Mississippi. I've been there since 1969. Can you imagine the charity on the part of those dear people? Anyway, love being there, but also love being here, here with you as we share airwaves and here with a lovely group of people at the table. And to my left is a young man named Shane. Yes, and I'm Shane Stanford, and I like to point out that I was born the year after you went to Wales. That and always ticks me off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it there. It's great. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, gr- I'm very glad to be a part of the team here at the United Methodist Hour. And also, I'm a teaching pastor at Main Street United Methodist Church in Hattiesburg, where I teach the more modern service, as we like to say. And sitting uh, at the other end of the table is a good friend of all of ours and also a team member here at the United Methodist Hour, Mr. Anthony Thaxton. Anthony, great to have you with us. Man, it's good to be here. Now, now, Anthony, we need to stop and, and, and give a little more of an introduction that, friends, um, if you're watching the television program on Sundays or throughout the week, it is Anthony who's the producer of that program. And uh, so the good work that you see happening there is uh, the um, result of his and Christopher Munn's um, great talents to make even Keith and me look good. <laughs> it's a marvelous talent. It takes a great deal. I was going to ask you, Anthony, to share with us a little bit about how you see the relationship of creativity, because you've done so much creative work here, to the whole question of faith, of religion. You've worked in that context a long time. Well, I, I, I basically don't see how you can separate the two. Um, mm. From uh, the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. I, from the first moment of time, creation is happening. And the the neat thing about being able to be an artist, because I paint and I um, I'm a musician and, and, and write and do lots of things, also with television. But uh, being able to be a co-creator, mm-hmm. and Gloria Gaither uses that term a lot, a co-creator yeah. with him, and I, I mm-hmm. like that very much, yeah. that we're a- allowed to participate in the process. And uh, I had a friend of mine, Mark Simpson in Jackson, who says that um, you don't allow your child to help wash dishes because she can do a better job than you, or you allow her to be a part of it and she'll make a mess and water gets on the floor. And you're tempted to say, well, here, just get out of the way and I can do it and it'll be neater. But her participation in the process is more for her than what she can do for you. Learning Mm -hmm. to become a co-creator. And God allowing us to be a part of that. Um, I look back and it's not about paintings and it's not about television programs. It's about what God's doing in individual lives, whether that's by someone watching what we've done or reading something we've written or seeing something we've painted or through us and our transformation in the mm-hmm. process. It's, it's Yeah, it's lovely. And it's lovely to have you on board, too. And I was going to say it's a lovely um, bridge for us to crawl about what God's doing in individual lives because yeah. we're going to be talking about an individual this day. 
who comes in contact with Jesus. And as we opened the program, I said a little bit, if you can't see clearly, um, then what might you do? And we'll be looking at the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 19, verses 1 and following. And you'll note in just a minute um, that the story is about a certain fellow um, with a deficit statue disease. Um, <laughs> Deficit. Vertically challenged. Vertically challenged. Is Shane see. in the scripture? Yeah. <laughs> John Wesley, too, you see. Uh, it's so good so to work with. Good. That's good. <laughs> Encouraging um, folks. There you go. Shane, since we've been picking on you, would you mind reading? I would love to. feel led. Yes, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and we'll be in the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax-collecting business, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from there. I think I'm going to stop there. I think it's great, and that that really does speak to what we were saying. If you can't see, what do you do? You do something about it. Yeah, you do. You make yourself available to a means by which you might be able to come to see. But two things about this are interesting. Let me just say, first of all, let me say... Uh, before I say that, how we study Scripture. We believe when people are together and Scripture is opened and read and the Holy Spirit is active, then truth is revealed. People gathered, Scripture open, Spirit working, truth revealed, which means that from each of us, questions, answers, comments, input, um, experience, etc., that we can make this a rich passage. And what's interesting, you know, it's terrible to say that you've been in the ministry for 50 years or so and say, I knew he was a tax collector, Zacchaeus. Yeah. But for some reason, and I knew he was short, but for some reason I missed he was very rich, very yeah. very influential. This particular version, which is the contemporary English version, says he was very rich. Does it say that, Anthony, mm-hmm. in the one that you're reading? There? Okay, what about that? Either one of you guys got more to add there? Well, I, I, I know that for Zacchaeus in this particular community, it was not unusual for the Romans to have gone in and to have picked not just um, smart people, but they would pick the, the shrewdest people in those communities to be in charge of doing their tax collecting because they, wanted individ- they did not want individuals who were going to be so religious that they would have any type of really real moral boundaries because, you know, the Romans, it wasn't that they were just in Rome or, you know, their empire stretched into many cultures and they wanted people who could get the money and who could collect it and then benefit the empire. So it tells us a little bit about Zacchaeus's character on the front end, that this was a guy who had probably a history, a past. He was very shrewd, um, but mm-hmm. probably knew where the line was and liked to step across the line. So a lot of people don't read that. And this is a children's story a lot of times for us when we think of it. When you think of Zacchaeus, you start singing about the wee little man. Yeah. Um, but it's much deeper than that. Well, it has... Uh what is interesting to me is that I'd never realized uh, how rich he was either. And the idea that a rich person would, I want to see him and I'm going to climb this tree, regardless of what somebody might think or somebody, uh, it's not necessarily an action you would think of, of a dignified rich person climbing up the tree, exactly. but doing whatever it takes to, exactly. to get what he wanted. And I like that. I like that very much. And, you know, interestingly enough, it's one of the surprises in the New Testament, the a number of times in the teaching of Jesus that you run into the question um, that goes something like this. You want something? Well, are you aggressive uh, in going for it? Are you aggressive in going for it? Like the woman who goes to the judge, you know, the persistent woman to mm-hmm. the judge. Yeah. Uh, the guy that comes in the middle of the night to get some, some food and some help for his friends. Well, and he had some resistance because we learned a little bit later on in the passage that the reason he couldn't make it through the crowd was because the crowd just didn't like him. 
and they weren't letting him through probably. Right. It wasn't just that he was short. It was the fact that he needed to probably be in front so he could see, but they weren't going to let him through because they knew Zacchaeus and they didn't like him. Yeah, and we didn't add, although you did insinuate that clearly, that he was rich, but he was rich at the expense of the people. Of the others. Of the people there because you got a cut, I think, of the tax. You know, get yeah. more tax, get more it's money. not a bad job. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, that system exists in many, many places in the world today, and I'd like to say it doesn't exist here, but it probably does too in well, the old U.S. of A. Now, now this is just a, a, an aside, but don't don't chancery clerks still get paid according to how much tax they collect? You know, I'm not sure, but I think so. <laughs> I, I do so think both of you were looking at me as if I'm an artist. I don't know. <laughs> I really think, but I, again, I don't think there it was. There was anything wrong with the system. I think what was wrong was the fact that they were finding individuals again who were going to be very shrewd morally mm-hmm. to be able to be the tough ones to be able to collect in the communities. I wonder how surprised Zacchaeus was when Jesus actually addressed him in a personal way. That's when I said earlier on that this is a personal story like many of the stories of Scripture. I think he had to be incredibly surprised because the the only time that he probably heard his name in the community was when there was something profane or accursed about it. Don't, I mean, do you agree, Anthony? I, I agree, and I'm sitting here thinking that... Um, if Jesus passing through and has never met me and looks up and calls my name, he won't have to tell me to come down from the tree. No. He'll probably just fall, <laughs> fall out, out of the tree. tree. Yeah. How does your verse 5 read, Anthony? It's I've got the same translation you do. Do you? Okay. When Jesus got there, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to stay with you today. You see, to me, there are three things. The personal calling of his name, uh, the invitation to be quick about it. Mm. And then the third thing is probably the most amazing at all. I want to spend some time with you. I'm, I'm going to be a guest you in your today. home today. Yeah, which is a kind of um, an invitation to hospitality that Zacchaeus probably should have thought of first. Mm. Because in that society, hospitality was so very important. Well, and have have it did not occur to me until uh, a few months ago when I was really spending some time with this passage thinking, Okay, it's not just that Jesus called him by name, but it was the fact that Jesus was going to do what would have been in Jesus' community the most intimate thing that you could do with a stranger or um, with a family, and that is you're going to go sit around a table. Sitting around the table in in a Jewish family or a Jewish community was incredibly intimate, incredibly, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And it gave identity. It wasn't just about calling the name. It gave uh, a place to Zacchaeus. It was, in fact, a holy intimacy. That's because right. if it was out of that that Jesus saw the call to the Eucharist and to That's bring right. the communion to us. Uh, this is my body, this is my blood. It was at the table, at that intimate fellowship yeah. a meal. It's also curious to me that, um, well, why don't we just um, move a little bit further. Anthony, would you mind reading uh, verses uh, 7 and 8 for us? And look how quickly you run into the mentality of the crowd. Seven and eight, please, sir. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord. And if you have, if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Mm. That's pretty neat, isn't it? Um, what do you th- what what you're thinking right now, Mister Mister Shane? Oh, I, I, when I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that he's excited, I mean, I don't know what's happened in Zacchaeus's life, but I know that by this time he has um, 
he's ready to make a change. That's why he's come to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's probably heard that Jesus can do this. He's heard about the stories. Um, Jesus has just stunned him, has given him something that the world couldn't give him. All the money in the world couldn't give him, and that was a little bit of dignity. And so he's climbing down, and he's ready to go. He's ready to go be with Jesus. And just in that, just in that invitation, it has such a profound effect on his heart that he's willing now to change. It doesn't just change the way he views his relationship with Jesus and God. It's changing the way he views mm-hmm. his relationship with his brothers and sisters. Immediately. And, Immediately. And, and it calls us to think about the implications in our lives. How much would an invitation for someone to go with us to Wells Memorial mm-hmm. or, or someone to go with us to, mm-hmm. uh, to come dine with us? Uh, how much would an invitation, just reaching a, a simple hand, uh, how much would that mean to someone? Sure. It still means a great oh, deal to people, too. Certainly. But also it's an invitation to come and do that intimate, that holy intimacy by eating. One of the things that occurred to me when I first read this was, I wonder what happened uh, to Zacchaeus' wife when she found out they were having guests, unexpected guests for dinner. And not only that, but hey, it's this Jesus you've been hearing so much about. What? The, the one that you're willing to climb a tree for. Yeah, I mean, coming this to is our big, table. This is a big deal. And that's something I was going to say, too, earlier related to something that you said, Anthony, and that is that he did what he needed to do. One of the curious things I have noted about people who do well, and we've already mentioned the fact that Scripture says there's a place for proper aggressive behavior, um, not improper. We need to underline that. But one of the things I have noticed is that rich people expect people to do what's necessary. I have run into that any number of times. So that's the moment that we'll take a break and come right back to riches. we should all play nicely together. I believe sometimes it's hard to believe in anything. I believe that you can tell a person's morals by the way they play golf. I believe God talks to us every day if we listen. I can't believe there's a church that believes these things. We may not all believe exactly the same thing, but the people of the United Methodist Church believe in God and each other. If you're searching for something to believe in, our hearts, our minds, and our doors are always open. The people of the United Methodist Church. Welcome back to Time That Makes the Difference. I'm Keith Bumble. I'm Shane Stanford. And I'm Anthony Thaxton. And uh, we want to take just a moment to tell you more about the ministry here at Time That Makes the Difference and the United Methodist Hour. For over three decades now, we have proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ and resourced the local church. And we want to be in ministry with you. And so we ask that uh, you give us a call here at our prayer line at one 800 280 Or you can call our prayer line, our Send us our pray- uh, your prayers through. <laughs> you can call the prayer line. You can call the prayer line again, 1-800. No, we, we also have a way that you can send your prayer request uh, through the Internet at uh, our website, uh, www.thehour.org. I have really made a mess of this, yeah, and I am sorry. As a matter of fact, send your prayer. Again, so I we'll get it clearly. We'll remember it better than we ever do. Yes, friends, I, for some reason I've gone blank on the word email. Now it is back in my brain. Email. You can send your prayer request through email to prayeratthehour.org. And that, that seems very, so easy when I do it over and over again, but for today it, it was really not doesn't. easy at all. Uh, one of the interesting things I remember is Sir Lawrence Olivier. I had a chance to see him on stage when I was in England a long time ago, and he had been doing Hamlet for thousands and thousands of performances. And he got out there and he was sitting in the chair and it was beautiful. And he said, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether, whether... Um, weather? <laughs> the weather? <laughs> and so somebody prompted him from the back, you know. But I think familiarity sometimes sort of gets tucked away in a convenient place. I know that. And well, we have to come back. And, and Keith, I do want to mention that our prayer ministry has some exciting stuff happening right now. Uh, Laurie Herring, who is our 
prayer and serving coordinator is just doing a beautiful job. Uh, she is um, leading our efforts in our prayer partner program. We're doing some, uh, some, some new things, some exciting things in terms of being able to get our volunteers in the prayer ministry together and helping, helping this ministry to be centered around the requests that we get. We get about 1,700 prayer requests every year. And that's a tremendous number, and we've just got some great vo- folks who are volunteering, and uh, and it's very exciting right now. So please give us a call. If at, you break that down line. into fifty-two Sundays, that's significant. It is you know, very significant because it's on Sunday that this happens, friends. Yes. Well, and having been here just a, a a month that I've been working here, um, that's been one of the most. And I was sharing with this in our staff meeting that that's been one of the most. Uh, surprising and rewarding things for me personally here is seeing how uh, the the phone rings and and the uh, the caller ID will come up as uh, somewhere in Arizona or New yeah, York right. and and all over and people calling just from having watched on the uh, a service on the web or calling all over um, and there will be times when maybe some of the the trusted prayer partners are out of the office and that that we will personally answer the phone and and be able to pray with someone and it's just very touching just how much they share how much it obviously means to them yeah i, I think that's so that's important good part. and i was going to say the other thing too is the fact that each one of us here are put in contact with somebody that we don't know for the most the ultimate intimacy which is prayer yes and uh, it's one of the really holy things too Curiously enough that you should say that um, when the podcast first came uh, to light and was a reality, um, we somebody reported to me, and I didn't actually talk to this person, that they received an email that someone in China had picked up the program and had mentioned that they enjoyed it and that they were not supposed to look at religious programming. Mm. I don't know how true that is, but it's an interesting thing. Let's come back again to Zacchaeus. We're in chapter 19 in the book of Luke. We have been talking about Zacchaeus made himself available by climbing up in order to look down. And Jesus said, come down in order to look up. And uh, so we are talking with him. But it's interesting because in verse 7, everybody saw this when Jesus said to Zacchaeus, take me home for supper. They said, this man Zacchaeus is a sinner and Jesus is going home with him to eat. And I want to ask you both this um, because we have lay and clergy people sitting together here. What do you think is the purpose of the church? Um, to whom do we offer our services, and who is it that make make up makes up the body uh, of Christ, which we call the church? Shane, why don't you go first? Well, I think that it's it's where the the word of God is preached. I think it's where the sacraments are experienced. I think in any congregation of any people, any any gathering of any people who preach the word and who experience uh, the sacraments, uh, I think that is what we call the church proper. The church universal is is where those who believe and who are of like mind have unified behind what I believe is the, the power and the potential of God's Spirit to not only impact one life, but impact the entire many. world. And to do more with many than you can with one. That's right. what's, what's your view? What's your feeling? Well, I, I like that Christ went straight to the tree with Zacchaeus. He mm-hmm. didn't stop at a religious leader. I'm sure he was passing lots of people along the way, lots of good people, lots of people who were followers, but this is who he chose to reach out to, and uh, that's significant. You know, somebody asked me, what's the church and what's the church all about? I say it's a bunch of sinners trying to do something about it. Oh, yeah. You know, under the the impress and influence and presence of the grace of God uh, to see what we can do about moving from one place to the other. And what happens is, be real careful, those of us who think ourselves religious, about starting to grumble if somebody is dealing with somebody who is a, quote, sinner, unquote. 
Uh, who in the world do you want to deal with? You want to deal with the righteous? Jesus made that very plain. He said, it's not the righteous who need the doctor. Oh, you know? yeah. It's, it's the sick. Well, and, and, and the people didn't call him just a sinner. They called him a notorious sinner, as someone who had, had been sinning, you know, very well, and everyone knew it, and he was... There's some sense of him even having been prideful in the past about his responsibility and his, his office. You get that and you think, well, gosh, I can understand why the people were hesitant, why they were so angry. Because I know in my own life, I get frustrated with those individuals who have made certain life choices and then all of a sudden they find their way back into faith and you think to yourself, well, is it real? You know, is this, hmm. is, you know, is this true? And I mean, we all have thought that. It's like prison conversion. It is, very well, doesn't much. it make you think of Paul? Yes. I mean, it, it's a parallel here to me of the same, same kind of person, a person of power, a person of influence, mm-hmm. a person who has done notorious things, but uh, again, ripe for the picking for uh, as, as soon as he met the master then he was different, and the yeah. whole world was changed. You know, so. I've got to say this, excuse me, but I just recently did the funeral for a dear friend of mine, Bill Breland, who was a local pastor, a lay preacher, and a wonderful guy. And it was he who said, who taught me about the importance of Barnabas. When you talk about Paul was powerful, Paul was influenced, if it hadn't been for Barnabas taking up for Paul and saying, give the kid a chance. He really means to have change. And that's why we need to go back and say when we're talking about prison ministry because we have some people in prison right now listening to this program oh, yeah. that you can have a glorious conversion. We, we can name names. Eddie Spencer, who is the associate pastor at Alta Woods Church. That's right. And lots of other people that their, their conversion was the real thing. What we're saying is that people in prison and people out of prison, people in church and people out of church can use faith in an expedient way. And we want to be careful about that. And uh, these people meant to be religious, but they just missed the whole point. Yep. That Zacchaeus was in a new, moving in a new direction. Well, and they had gathered to see Jesus too. And I think that a lot of times the religious or, the, or, or those of us who have been involved in the life of the church, it's very easy for us to think that, that God appears for us. And when that person who's been outside the fold or marginalized makes their way close, it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of selfishness that comes up and also a lot of insecurity, you know, about... Well, you know, I've tried to live my life a certain way and look a certain way. Well, if God can accept them, then that kind of re- redefines how I view the world, too. And it's it can be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, God uses, uh, going back to art, God uses broken things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, taking broken, and, and artists do this all the time. Um, we were moving a piano once. I, I wasn't moving it. Someone gave me a piano. I was very excited. My brother and brother-in-law are moving the piano. It goes about three feet down the road and falls off the back of the truck into oh this pile of splinters. Part I picked up parts of that inside because it was really neat, the hammers and the, the felt pieces, and I brought those to an artist friend of mine who does sculpture in Jackson, Kenneth Quinn, mm-hmm. and he took and he fashioned those into a sculpture that's hanging in the Mississippi College Library oh now my gosh. and taking something that we could have just thrown those pieces away, mm-hmm. but we took and and God does that with with people like this: Zacchaeus, who is broken, yeah. Paul, who is broken, Anthony and Keith and Shane, mm-hmm. who are broken, and right. God takes and uses in spite of ourselves, flawed messengers of a great message. We, That's right. As we well, said earlier, leaky vessels for the truth to ride in. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was just going to say in in response to what Anthony was saying, look at verses nine and ten. Yeah, I mean yeah. Th- this is. Um, well, even even before you jump into that verse eight, notice that this is a uh, this is a turnaround, um, a conversion, a redemption. You call it as you will. 
that has real consequence. I am going to begin to deal with reality in a different yes. way. Excuse me, then pick them up with your verse. Well, and what, and what Zacchaeus is doing is he's making a real-world response to his faith. He's not just saying that he is going to follow Jesus or that he's you know, going, going to be a God believer. What he's talking about is, I will actually show you, mm-hmm. and what's the thing that had been most important to Zacchaeus? That was his money. Right. So now he's going to give his money back, give his money away. That is his way of being able to verify it. Yeah. In verse 9 it says, Salvation has come to this house today, and this is Jesus talking. For this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham, and I, the son of man, I love that distinction. Yeah. You know, he is a son of Abraham, but I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. And that's the answer to the question about who are we for and what's the church about right. and who's it there for. To, see even, uh, to seek and save the lost. And hey, folks, you can be lost in church too. And I'm not talking about being a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm talking about becoming self-satisfied and overly confident and sort of uh, very pleased with your spiritual self and not continue to grow. Well, and, and you know, this is connected to John chapter 3, verse 17, where Jesus said, you know, in response to John three sixteen, I did not come into the world to save the world, but I came into the world, and I mean, not I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but right. I came into the world that it might be saved. When I think of Zacchaeus, I think about growing up, and one of my chores in the house was to take the garbage to the street, and to make sure that the garbage got from the house, and so it was my job to go and, un- and empty. And I can remember that even if a trash can didn't have anything in it, you had to take the empty bag out and you had to go put it in the trash can. That was just sort of the way my mother wanted it that done. That was the ritual. But, you know, we would get all that trash to the street, and then someone else would pick up the trash there for us. But there was that responsibility of being able to to do that. And I think of Zacchaeus and all the trash he's had in his life, all of the baggage, all of the burden. And all he needed to do was to get it to the street, and there was Jesus, someone who said, you know, I'm going to haul this away. I'm going to do something different here. I was preaching a camp meeting at Felder some years ago, uh, which is down in the Macomb area. And during the morning service, as we were preaching, the garbage truck came by. And one of the guys out in the congregation said, I'm right in the middle of the sermon. He says, see if you can get a sermon out of that. And I said, isn't that what all of our preaching and religious experience is about, to try to get the trash out and get the good stuff in? It is. But you, you also talked about the the comfortableness mm-hmm. of of people sometimes in churches who feel like they don't have trash in their lives. Right. And, oh, no, I'm fine. But these are maybe people who also wouldn't climb the tree to see Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Jesus is passing by, but I'm not real interested. Well, we yeah, also have this good, system of point. select sins. You know, there are certain sins we can underline, and we don't do those. It's just that we miss some of the other ones, like slander, like anger, like impatience, etc., yeah. and so forth. Only thing I want to say, but my time is getting real low, but let me just say verse 9 is a really radical tidbit. Uh, in this version, it says, Jesus said to Zacchaeus today, you and your family have been saved the power of one man's salvation to influence others in that same direction. Well, and I don't know, you know where you are today, those of you who are listening, but you may have some garbage in your life that you're trying to get rid of. And what you've been doing is you've been kind of you know, stacking it in nice little piles all around your life, and you've been wondering why in the world that stench is so bad, or you're wondering why that never gets better, or why uh, that can never be put back uh, the way it was. And you think to yourself, what am I going to do with this? And so you try to arrange it. And I know a lot of people, Keith and Anthony, who try to arrange the trash in their life instead of just getting rid of it. And rearrange. so that rearrange the trash in their life. And so what, one of the things that, that we believe in here at the United Methodist Hours is that there is a God who wants to take those burdens from you, that wants to take that baggage 
and to offer something better. And so today we do want you to call the prayer line and send your prayer request by email if that's the easiest way for you to do it because we want to begin by being in prayer with you. But we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit then goes from there in your life and offers a new opportunity and a new door to get that trash out of your life, to deal with the garbage, and to fill your life with something that is so much better. I might say very quickly, if you can't see clearly, get up a little higher and take a strong, long look. I love it. That's great. Well, you know, we do appreciate you joining us here on Time That Makes the Difference. And and your support's important to us. And so pray for us. And if you'd like to be a part of our prayer program, uh, email Laurie Herring at thehour.org. For Keith Tonkel and Anthony Thaxton and for Christopher Munn, I am Shane Stanford. Go into the world and be salt and light. Remember, in all ways, you matter. God bless you.